Welcome to the Science of Parenting podcast, where we connect you with research-based information that fits your family. We'll talk about the realities of being a parent and how research can help guide our parenting decisions. I'm Mackenzie Johnson, parent of two littles with their own quirks, and I'm a parenting educator. Hi, I'm Courtney. I'm a recovering addict, a mom of two, one thirteen, one two. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it's Courtney, and she's here. <laughs> yeah, I'm here today. <laughs> and it's like an ongoing joke. On so many seasons, we are like, why do we always say, and we're here? Like, people don't know that, but you're here. Yeah. <laughs> Well, today we are going to be talking about custody, kinship care, and co-parenting. And we thought it was really important. I mean, like almost every episode this season is like, let's preface this conversation, right? Like, let's talk through what we're going to talk about. So <laughs> in our episode, we are, we're going to talk about the research and reality around, you know, sometimes when we're sharing the role of raising children with a family member, with an ex, with a co-parent. Um, and so there's a lot of different situations. Maybe someone has temporary custody of children. And so just working through things like that. And we wanted to really identify that there's a lot of diverse situations and experiences this could happen within, right, Courtney? Yes, a bunch. Yeah. I'll say a few that any that come to mind for you right out of the gate or some like common or uncommon ones? Yeah. So like uncommon would be, you know, mom, mom has gotten sick and is in the hospital, you mm. know, mm -hmm. need help or something drastic, a car accident or something left the mom yeah. or the parents together and capable of fully caring for the child. You know, and the mo mm -hmm. more common ones would be for me in my case would be mom's an active addiction. Um, yeah. You know, we're incarcerated, uh, something hindering us from being fully present, safe and emotionally and physically supportive, you know, can lead us to having to co-parent and have kinship cares and co-parent with with not just moms and dads, but grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins and whoever else was, you know, that person for that time for that child. Absolutely. And yeah, you make such a great point of that. Yeah, there's not like one way or one person or one situation. And I did have a list of like, you know, yeah, a parent who's incarcerated. There's also co-parenting when there's like a divorce or some kind of separation between parents. There can be, you know, a parent that's working on reunification after being involved with like HHS when they've been working on some of their parenting skills, even after the death, right? The death of like a loved one. Um, you know, whether that's one of the parents or like a different family member or loved one. And so, uh, yeah, a parent in recovery from substance use or, yeah, that idea of like a significant health event. I even think, you know, when like a child in the NICU, that older sibling that sometimes, right, that it's like grandparents stepping in to help out or friends stepping in to help out. And it's a very informal thing, but it's still sharing the responsibility of caring for a child. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so those are, we wanted to kind of define two terms. Have we done this yet this season, Courtney? I always say I love to start with a definition, but have I actually started with a definition yet this season? I don't know. <laughs> I think it may be. Yeah. Yeah. I think you've been pretty consistent. <laughs> okay. I've been doing it. I yeah. wasn't sure. So two terms we want to make sure we have shared understanding on today. One is co-parenting and another is kinship care, which is kind of a newer term for some people. It's not as common maybe. Um, but so co-parenting, according to Mikhail and Lindahl, and I'm going to be honest, I specifically chose a definition that aligns with the way I see this, but there are other definitions that define a different way. But Mikhail and Lindahl define it as shared activities undertaken by adults responsible for the care and upbringing of a child. So it's basically just like sharing the responsibility of caring and raising kids. Um, and this is, like I said, I chose like an intentionally like open-ended one because I tend to see co-parenting this way of like, yeah, co-parenting can be a married couple, right? That you're co-parenting your shared children together. It could be like step families. It could be co-parenting with your ex. It could be co-parenting with your parents who have temporary custody of your kids or things co-parenting with a foster parent. I tend to think of co-parenting. Yeah. yeah. That like more than one person is kind of like taking on responsibility for caring for this child. Um, but the other definition, there are definitions that are more specific to like partners and that like were in a previous intimate relationship or are currently in an intimate relationship. Yeah. But I tend to use this word co-parent in like a not catch all, but in like, a, like, I think of it more inclusive, I guess. Yeah, no, it for sure is. But that's just the beauty of it is everyone's so diverse and so different. It's okay to bring the other voice in to, to be able to connect and make a more robust parenting uh, yes. skill. 
right? Well, and that like it's more people caring for the child. And so how do we keep that positive? And that's really the goal, I guess, kind of a I didn't say that explicitly. That's kind of what we're talking about and like focusing on today is how do we make this a positive experience for the child that the child gets the benefit from these yep. situations. So thinking specifically about, you know, co-parenting as this opportunity of like shared responsibility for a child, right? Not just like, oh yeah, we visit grandma and grandpa or we go visit and hang out with like aunt and uncle or even yeah chosen family right like family mm -hmm. and friends and but co-parenting is specific to like i'm agreeing to take on the responsibility of helping raise this child um and so in a similar light i tend to see the term kinship care which is related to like family members caring for a child i tend to see that like under the umbrella of co-parenting but some people would say it's like a separate or different thing but kinship care according to a report by the national responsible fatherhood clearinghouse they define it as care where relatives other than a child's parent assume responsibility for parenting the child um and so right that can be grandparents that can be uh like an adult sibling that can be right that some other relative is caring for the child and there's different types of this too which i thought was interesting and probably in part because i've lived like I haven't, I don't have lived experience with this. Right. And so it didn't occur to me like, oh yeah, there's a lot of different types of this. And so that was one thing that stood out to me in this report was like kinship care doesn't, I knew it wouldn't look one way, but that there was even like definitions right. of categories I thought was interesting. So they defined three categories of kinship care or three forms of it. One is formal care. So this would basically be like when the child welfare system, like the state is involved and the child is like under the custody of the state. And then they place that child with like a family member. Um, you had some good examples that as we were walking through this, if you, do you want to share one? Like I'll yep. share the type of kinship care and you share like an example. Absolutely. So okay. in this example would be like um, kids removed from mom and dad, kiddos had to go stay with grandma and grandpa or said aunt and uncle, the state will now give them permission or give the, you know, grace or, however I want to guardianship. You know, yeah. guardianship um, through paper, that would be a formal. So you, it's the formality of going to court, getting placed specifically mm -hmm. with this family member. And yeah. that's usually what they try to do first or they're implementing to do first. They're trying mm -hmm. to get kinships more in place to keep families and the kiddos at a more stable, emotional, secured place. Yeah. So rather like they're looking for <clears throat> kinship care before they'd go looking for like a totally 100%. different foster yep. family. Yes. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So then the next type is voluntary kinship care. This typically refers to maybe like a child that's involved in the child welfare system, um, but not directly under state custody. So maybe there has like been concern for the child's well-being. And so the state is doing like some checkups or maybe a parent who used to be, um, you know, like used to be incarcerated or used to be involved with substances. And they're still kind of making sure that like the parents are able to provide a stable home. So it would be that preventative piece. So, okay, I have a problem. Um, and you'll see this a lot with alcoholics or kids mm -hmm. of alcoholics, you know, hey, my drinking is just getting a little bit out of control. Yes, it's a legal substance, but it's consuming my life. So once yeah. you just go said with said sister or, you know, older adult sister or something, um, and, you know, voluntarily why I go and take care of myself for a while or <clears throat> yeah, that's it. Mm -hmm. And that a family member, right? That's what the kinship care really means. Kin meaning yeah. like family, right? So that it's like a family member. Yeah. Yeah. Next of kin. Yeah. Good. Good way to explain it. Um, and then the final one is private kinship, which I really, that would mean the state or like the child welfare system is not involved at all. And so I really just took this, like, it's almost like informal, like the private, mm -hmm. No party is like necessarily formally facilitating it. It's just informal. It's private. It would be like a sick parent. So um, mom has got diagnosed with breast cancer or something very drastic has happened to where like there was no substances involved or anything like that. Just an accident, something life kind of changing. And, um, you know, my mom's in the hospital getting better. Our dad's in the hospital getting better. We're going to let her go ahead and, and release our children of, from us until we are able to be back on full supporting grounds. And, and it, this is a, this is common. It's common. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. This and is it's a, okay. Think, oh, go ahead. Yeah. And it's okay to, to have these things happen. You know, we, we don't have us unless our kids don't have us unless we have us. Yes. So when things like this arise, I know it's not always the most wonderful thing to think about having to, you know, relieve yourself of your parenting duties, but mm -hmm. at said time, 
you know, it's okay to admit that and, and to do so. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it's important for us to like understand and normalize, right? We talk about like parent self-care and, you know, sometimes we talk about it in the context of like, yeah, because things can be stressful, but sometimes parent self-care, you know, I think of, you know, someone that I know that like checked themselves in for like behavioral health because they were having like suicidal ideation. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And so there was not the state like wasn't involved, right? There wasn't like a child welfare system involved, but they're like, I have to go take care of this. Like I have to go figure this out so that I can continue to t- care for my kids in the long term. A and lot so, of people, yeah. Sorry, my kids, go ahead. No, it's okay. But that, uh, yeah, it was like a voluntary, like I asked my sister or I asked somebody, I mean, I tend to use family examples because I'm fortunate that I have family nearby, but a lot of people don't. Right. And so you ask like your neighbor that also has kids, your child's age or mm-hmm. right, the people you have, whoever your people are. That and that's becoming more of a common kid. thing. It's coming more of a common thing, you know, um, and I, I also work with the department <clears throat> helping families get back to unification yes. and it's coming more of a trend. Like, you know, we had to remove this child, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Let's talk to the neighbors. Let's talk to the friends. Are the friends able to care for this child? We don't want to sever relationships mm-hmm. bluntly. You yeah. know, that is like a last resort. So the first resort we're going to look at the family. We're going to look at family friends. We're going to look at long distant cousins who may have had a relationship with the child first. Yeah. That way to preserve, preserve that family's, you know, cultural or, yes. you know, beliefs or, you know, just the integrity of the family and the child. Mm-hmm. Right. Know? And that the child, yeah, ideally isn't going to a stranger. And sometimes yeah. that is the best option of the options. Um, but sometimes it's not. And yep. so there's a lot of research behind that of like the value for that child of going with someone they know as opposed oh, yeah. to someone they don't. So, but it's a hard, it's a hard thing, but I thought it was really interesting in this report. And I know this report's not the only thing, but that's just what I happen to read. Um, the thinking of kinship care and these different types and that the, I, yeah, I think the informal, I'm even, I'm literally like reading a book right now where the mom is like fairly unstable with like she has like she's using substances she's an active addiction and then some of the other things she has going on in this book literally it's just like a fiction book i happen to be reading and she like drops her daughter off with her aunt and is like i'm like rolling out for a while take care of her right there's no official paperwork there's no and so like you know it can look a lot of different ways and so there's not only one way kinship care happens but um we know that it does and so let's acknowledge that that's a form of co-parenting, right? That's a form yeah. of people caring, like taking on the responsibility of caring for kids. And that when more than one person is helping care for kids, there's a relationship there. There's a co-parenting situation that we're trying to figure out. So that's where we are headed. So we have four common challenges that uh, we find with co-parenting or kinship care or custody. And so I'll, let's look through these four and then um we'll kind of break them down so the first one being just different values and expectations among caregivers uh the second one being communication about children the third one is handling conflict in a productive way in particular the challenge of not putting children in the middle of the conflict right between those co-parents or caregivers and then a fourth one is rebuilding trust between caregivers So those are some of the common challenges we see in the literature and just that you hear from people when they're co-parenting. And so let's start with that first one of different values and expectations among parents or caregivers. So maybe I'll give an example. And then if you have one, you want to give one too? Yeah. Let's go back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, Back and forth. Awesome. All right. So my example that I actually wrote down was like for differing values. I sometimes see this when it relates to like spirituality or religious practices right? That maybe one caregiver feels strongly about the child engaging in religious practices while the other one would rather not have the child involved or doesn't feel strongly about making them be involved. And so again, that's just like, it's different values and expectations that can be a challenge when you're sharing the responsibility of raising a child. And that come to mind for you for different values or expectations? Um, Yeah. So I could see like the conflict of conflict of like, the expectation of like exceeding school or like being mm. good in school. Um, I'm not big on like, Ooh, you got A's or B's, you know, um, yeah. I'm more of a laid back, like, Hey, you just try your hardest. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if that's, and we'll work on it, you know, progress, yeah. not for perfection. But I see some parents are like, a A's or you're grounded or, you know, like, you know, some of those like expectations like that, like not everyone is on the same speed. 
yeah. and not every child is a hundred percent. They're not, they're not the same. Mm-hmm. So I think like that when it comes to mine, I think of grades or like the expectations of yeah. what your performance is at school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Academic performance <clears throat> is a great example. Mm-hmm. Um, and that parent, right. We each bring our own, like the way we were raised to the picture, mm-hmm. but also uh, the like, well, but they're capable of this, so they should be able to get good, right? Like, there's a lot of reasons for lots of different sides, but yeah, yeah the way that our values show up and our expectations, even I think of in like our discipline season, we talked about like desired behavior and undesired, what other people might call good and bad behavior. We try not to use those terms, but even what you see as like an undesirable behavior, even my co parent, like my husband and I, sometimes he is like, I don't want to say like getting after kids, but he's like, doesn't like that one of our kids is doing something that way. And I'm like, I guess I don't think it's a big deal if they do it that way. Right. And so it can be small things. It can be major things, but that that's a common challenge when we are kind of negotiating um, the care we provide for a child. Okay. So the next one is communication. So this was interesting in the report and like some of the stuff that I read, it was talking about related to the emotional and physical needs of a child. Um, that like communication about like, yeah, the child, you know, for young kids, like needs this lovey to sleep with or the, you know, with like a teen, like they seemed really down about something or they've seemed off all week. Um, and so that's what some of it talked about, but then also just the logistics, right? The logistics of like, if you are sharing, like maybe the child is doing weekend visits with one of the caregivers, or if they are doing supervised visits with one of the caregivers or, but figuring out like the scheduling, and then the expectations about it when we're doing that. So um, a few examples were managing the schedule, communicating about concerns of the child, um, and just that it in- requires a lot of intentional thought by all the parties involved when it comes to communication about the kids. <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot on all these. I'm like, hey, example, okay. <laughs> give us one. <laughs> I should have wrote them down. <laughs> well, I didn't give you a lot of warning. I didn't give you a lot of warning. It's okay. I um, like I like being put on the spot because it means it's a genuine it's a genuine answer. You know what I mean? It is. Yeah. So I uh, I'm I'm big on that. So I think the biggest. Um, yeah, I would say communication about kids. As you think, I mean, whether from your own personal life or just what comes to mind for you, mm-hmm. what are some of the challenges with communicating with a co-parent? I, from my experience, I'll pull yeah. from my experience because that's all I know. Um, yeah, I would say like me not being in active addiction and Lexi's dad being in active addiction. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. a lot of miscommunications there, uh, mm-hmm. just because um, he can. He thinks I can come off a little snobby or a little you know goody two shoe now, but I'm not. Um, mm-hmm. And me having to trust that he's actually going to take the situation serious. Like, Hey, yeah. Lexi's coming down to your house this weekend because this is our agreement, but she's also grounded. Mm. <clears throat> yeah. You have, this, this is what, this is what this looks like in our household. It, will you please respect it or at least follow it? Mm. And if you have questions, call me, you know, you are her dad. I'll give you this, this, this space, mm-hmm. but this is, this is, this is a, this is what happened. You know, yeah. I haven't ran into that problem, but there has been times where I'm like, Hey, Lexi lost her phone, you know? Mm. Yeah, you know, we have to figure this phone, out. You know, so I think that would be like my biggest uh, kind of maybe a challenge or example is mm-hmm. making sure that the one person is taking it serious mm. because of the pure intent, the good intentions. You know, like yeah, this is this is what this is what happened this week. Mm-hmm. I have to see it through. Yes, yes. Well, and that's the other thing, right? Like the way each person handles like discipline or handles the like reaction to difficult situations with our kids got to communicate on that. And yeah. one of the things we haven't said, actually, this is like a, I'm really glad I'm thinking of it now. Cause I would have been really disappointed if we got through this whole episode without thinking about it. But one of the important things in the literature when it comes to like co-parenting and custody and kinship is finding areas for consistency. Yeah. It doesn't mean that everything needs to be identical between like care environments but that we are able to find forms of consistency for the child so that they don't have to constantly adapt to every single piece um, between the different care environments or caregivers. So um, it sounds like, you know, that's what you're striving for, striving for some consistency. And that communication is an important way we do that. (laughs) And it's hard. One of the things I heard you say about like, you know, that he thinks I'm coming off a certain way, right? Even the communication style, yeah, like style, the way we tend to communicate can be a challenge 
uh, mm-hmm. with a co-parent, particularly when there is like a history of, and there is with any co-parent, there's always some kind of history, whether oh, positive sure. or negative or, but, you know, I think me and, uh, me and, me and her dad have a really great relationship mm-hmm. regardless of the situations we're both in or we're in or have been in. Yeah. <laughs> You know, he was my friend before this and we can continue to be friends. And I think that's what ultimately it kind of like came down to was I'm like, hey, I don't hate you. You gave me the best part of my life, you know, and I thank you for that. So let's just make this work for her. All right. So the third one is handling conflict is a challenge when we're co-parenting, caring for a child, sharing the responsibility of caring for a child. And again, in particular, thinking about when there is conflict that we're not putting the child in the middle of it. That is one very consistent, right? That's actually, for many people, that's what comes to mind when we think of like divorce or co-parenting or separation is the conflict and that people are like, don't put the kid in the middle. Luckily, I feel like that's getting more common, like knowledge that we shouldn't do that. But just in case that's not something we've heard, we don't want the child in the middle of a co-parenting relationship. We don't want them to have to relay the messages uh, from one parent to the other. We don't want to speak poorly of our co-parent or other caregiver to the child, right? Because that person is someone that they care about too. And so that can give them really confusing feelings when they feel like they have to choose a side or, um, you know, rectifying maybe the bad thing that they've heard about their parent or that caregiver with the good that they know of them is really confusing for a kid. And so we don't want to put kids in the middle. But um, one of the examples when we were talking about custody is, um, yeah, just that idea of, I guess I was like, I already just gave the whole example that I had written down, but not speaking poorly <laughs> of that co-parent. And I think we tend to think of this specifically in the example of like a divorce situation or like a separation of parents, right? That like if it was previously like an intimate relationship and then it ended poorly or something, but this can happen in kinship too, right? That oh, like, yeah. especially if it wasn't voluntary, right? If you're, you know, your parents or your sibling now have custody of your children, or temporary custody or whatever that might be, it makes sense that there would be anger or like difficult feelings on both sides, right? That it can be really complicated. And so how do we even, yeah, like if it was my sibling or my parent or grandparents, whoever it might be, that how do I manage that? How do we find a way to provide consistency in a positive relationship? Um, Can be tricky. Are there certain conflicts besides the communication things that come to mind for you? Oh, for sure. So for a long time, trust was the biggest conflict in my experience. Yeah. Um, I was co-parenting with my grandma and grandpa and his mom and dad. Mm. And because of my behaviors and my um, actions, Mm -hmm. there was no trust. So even when I went, when I was, when I had stopped using and I was gaining some more trust, um, his mom and dad, rightfully so, was very, very hesitant to talk to me at pickup. Yeah. To, I mean, it had been 10 years since I'd seen them. And every time mm. they seen me when they did, I was not in a good place. So yes. I think, I think, I don't even know how that's a thing, but trust was a huge conflict for us because I wanted mm. them to trust me so, so bad. I just wanted them to see, like, I do love Lexi. I love her. And I want, you know, but rightfully so, they didn't. So that was kind mm-hmm. of a conflict. Um, yeah. Well, that's actually like the fourth one, the like fourth tidbit that I had was, look at your segue, (laughs) look at you just walking us right into the next one. But it makes sense that there's conflict around that too, right? Like those, these are not like mutually exclusive. They overlap and run into each other. And so, yeah, this idea of rebuilding trust and yeah, like if you were involved in the justice system or substance use or HHS was involved, like child welfare system that, yeah, there may have been choices that dissolve trust. Um, so like a few examples, actually, I read these interviews, so this wasn't my lived experience, but people sharing really vulnerably about their own experience, some within, um, who had been in active addiction with substance use and then people, um, also who had like survived domestic violence. And so some of the examples were like one family shared, shared their story about, you know, when I was in active addiction, I left my young kids home unattended, right. To like go find the substance that my brain was like addicted to. And so now the other parent is worried about, even though that person's maybe in recovery, um, now that their co-parent 
is like, no, you left them home alone. You can't have unsupervised visits. Right. And so rebuilding that trust um, when that bridge has kind of been burned was one that came up a lot. And then um, or even co-parents who may have treated each other poorly during a contentious like divorce or separation now, like, well, do you have the like good intentions for the kids? You were really mean to me or you cheated on me or you what, however, something like that could go. doesn't always go that way. But that rebuilding that trust in that situation, again, yeah. makes it hard to be on the same page for raising kids. Okay, so thinking about these common challenges that we often experience when it comes to co-parenting and sharing custody and kinship care, there is research, luckily, right? Like this whole podcast, the whole thing is supposed to be research and reality, and we hope that's what you're giving you. And so today we wanted to look at some trustworthy resources. What does research tell us about co-parenting? What are some best practices? What are things that help us get to the positive outcomes for our kids, right? That's the goal. And so uh, some of my national colleagues from Utah State Extension offer the following suggestions for positive co-parenting. They actually on their webpage had this citation of supportive co-parenting includes respect, forgiveness about the past, and compromise. For the child receiving the same message from all caregivers, benefits their well-being, and increases their chances of handling that diff difficult situation well. Um, and I just thought that was like a really nice summarizing, like, what does it come down to? That's like an in two sentences. Our kids benefit when we can show mutual respect, forgiveness, and compromise um, to, the, to their benefit, right? Um, when we can focus on them. And so- It's such a pinpointed yeah. sentence. It's a statement. Right? Like it's- it's really co-parenting is very simple when you have these in, in place. Yes. And when you, when you learn the forgiveness, when you learn to be able to compromise, give and take a little bit, you know, and, and acknowledge that, Hey, we're different and that's okay, but this is what I can do. And this is what we can do to, you know, you can, you can bring in. Yes. Um, it's a lot, it's a lot to learn and it's a lot to practice, but when practice comes into play with these things, it's, it's really, it's all just about letting go and just putting the best interests of your children ahead yeah. of everything else. You know, mm -hmm. you got to put back the past. You got to put back the arguments, got to put, you know, there's a back door, take it to it. It's a trash, take it out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I thought I liked this as like a really concise, I mean, easier said than done, right. To oh, like sure. put all that stuff behind us. And this is really what kids need is the conciseness of like respect, forgiving about the past, compromise to benefit our kids. I yeah. thought that was great. Um, they did offer some more specific things uh, that go right in line with it. And so one of them was doing what's in the best interest of the child as you're making decisions. And I feel like thinking about it in that specific context was helpful for me that when do I need to think about the best interest of the child? I can't just like, I mean, yes, constantly, probably, but also really specifically as I'm working, like talking on the phone with my co-parent or caregiver that okay, we're making a decision. I need to think about the best interest of my child. Um, I, th I liked that like grounding of thinking about it that way. I also thought they, well, I didn't think this, they wrote this. They said, respecting the other parent's right to participate in the parenting and caregiving practices. Bingo. Yeah. Bingo. And I was telling Mackenzie, but when we were, before mm -hmm. we started recording that, I have a huge, huge two life experiences that make me really stand behind this. Mm -hmm. Um, we all have not been great parents before. It happens, but mm -hmm. people change and people deserve to be involved with their kid's life. I grew up without a dad. That's a huge missing piece. And then now my son yeah. lost his dad. So he'll never mm -hmm. get the chance. So I feel like you have to respect their right to participate. That mm -hmm. is half that human being. Yes. They're, they, they, they deserve and are allowed to know that parent and get their own opinion. Mm -hmm. And I think this is, Right. There's all this like muddiness around right to the benefit of our child. And yeah. so so my dad was also not a part of my life. Right. I was raised by a single mom. Mm -hmm. And so there were time periods where my dad was like invited to be involved and it ended up honestly doing more harm than good. Yeah. Right. And then ultimately he and my mom like he kind of bowed out. Um, and so it was never a necessarily like a gatekeeping of like you can't see her as much as it was like a if you want to see her, you have to show up when you say you're going to show up. Yes. Like, you need to be kind when you're here. Like, right. There was like boundaries to protect me as a child. And I mm -hmm. really appreciate that. Uh, you know, when I look back of, I actually feel like I have pretty minimal negative impact from 
when sometimes when I tell people like, yeah, I have a single mom, people assume it was like this really traumatic thing that my, and, and actually I'm kind of like, no, it's cool. Like I'm yeah. fine. <laughs> um, but in part because of the protection my mom did offer. Yeah. And so honoring that parents right to participate while it's to the benefit of the child. And so even when we were talking earlier, we talked about like, okay, yes, maybe they can offer humor and playfulness. And, and that comes in the form of like supervised visits or it comes in the form of, you know, like it can look different ways, but that they are that parent's child to the benefit of the child. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I didn't meet my, my real dad until I was 18 mm -hmm. and um, it was all for the protection of me making sure it was all for the protection of me and making sure I was safe. He was an active addiction, but now he's got 16 years clean and we have an amazing relationship. Not only do we have like the addict aspect of it where we can have those humorous times and those crazy stories and like relate mm -hmm. with each other on a different level. But now we have that daughter and father bond yeah. that, you know, I I've been longing for my whole life. And now I'm just like, you know what? I'm glad I waited because this man that I'm standing in front of me is a hundred. I would, I would have never have thought of him the same, you know? So, yes. I mean, that's just how it I is. Think of it. it is. And that's the thing is like, it's dynamic and it's not one size fits all. And so figuring out like, yes, respect the other parents, right. To participate in the parenting practices, right. It's balancing that alongside, right. To the benefit of the child. And so, you know, I think I tend to think of this more as like not gatekeeping unnecessarily, you know, like not saying like, well, he made me mad. And so like, you're not going to go visit. Right. Or right. Yeah. Like things like that. that this, uh, that's what it's discouraging as opposed to, I think like protecting your child if there is harm being done by their co-parent. Yeah. Co There's times where Lexi doesn't go. Mm -hmm. And that's at the discretion of her, of his, of her grandma and grandpa. Mm. you know like hey we're you know it's just kind of a bad like, week. not a good place. A bad yeah. week. i'm like perfect you know but i'm also very huge community i have a huge communication mm -hmm. in place with lexi mm -hmm. so she doesn't get the wrong idea and there's a very yes. huge now a very beautiful healthy communication between me and his parents mm -hmm. and um you know sometimes it's just not a good time and that's okay that's for yes. that's going to damage her op opinion of him Mm -hmm. And that's not my job to throw her into. Yes. Yes. Well, and I even think of like parents who are incarcerated, you know, oh, and particularly yeah. we see that a lot with like fathers that are incarcerated that, but mothers too, that, yeah. you know, even if their relationship is, we talk on the phone sometimes um, and that's what they can offer right now for like parenting. Um, or even think like there's couples where the parents, like one parent lives at a distance from the other, from their children. Right. Yeah. And so their right to be involved in parenting the child, but again, to the benefit of the child. Yeah. And so that's what I think this one is really getting at more of the not gatekeeping unnecessarily and yeah, honoring that right um, to be. Involved. But it's okay if you are a gatekeeper. I mean, I would just keep mm. this podcast completely normalized on parenting styles. Yeah. You know, it's okay to protect your children and it's okay to set those boundaries really firm if yes. it's got good intentions behind it. Mm -hmm. Right. When there is the. Yeah, when there's harm being done, right? That's yep. harm reduction. Ideally, they have a positive relationship with all of the caregivers involved, right? And if it stops being positive, right? If it's harmful, if it's these things, it's not a yeah, it's okay if you that you're like you're forced to make that decision. Yeah. Um, you know your kids and your family best, right? We're talking in the generic examples of like the literature. And I actually actively say this, and sometimes people are surprised of like it's all right to ignore our advice sometimes um, yeah. because we can't know every single circumstance. Um, and so we do think in general, right? The literature tells us these are generally good practices and there are times when they do conflict in ways we couldn't think of. So um, another one is being agreeing on some basic rules for raising children as a positive practice for co-parenting. And so, you know, figuring out what those shared values are and also identifying the ones that are different. Like, okay, you feel this way about that and I feel some other way. Let's come up with a plan for how we're going to navigate that with our kids. So agreeing on some of those basic rules and expectations. Um, you know, often that relates to discipline, right? What is on the table, what's off the table there can be a common one. Another tip they offer, they offered five of them. So this is number four, letting go of feelings of anger and resentment 
Um, right. We talked about that a little bit, but that that is a really powerful thing um, for the benefit of our kids when we can process that outside of the context of their relationship with their other caregiver. And then um, another this one's a great all around parenting practice, but that parenting in a warm, loving manner that all caregivers are working toward offering positive caring and positive parenting for the child. So just a few kind of basic tips. And then this one, it's like half strategy. Cause I thought it was really practical. <laughs> it's like half strategy, <laughs> but also um, another really important positive co-parenting tip. And this one's actually from Oklahoma state extension. And they have a really like, extensive parenting, like co-parenting program that they offer there. So, um, but they suggest that caregivers and co-parents prioritize their positive and productive communication by, so that's like, that's the tip, but the strategy is <clears throat> schedule regular times and methods of communication so that you can deal with the issues, not around the kids and you're anticipating, right? We're preventing, we're anticipating potential problems. So like, okay, we talk every Monday afternoon, or we talk every Sunday evening after the kids are in bed or while the kids watch a show, while, like whatever that you, yep. but that you've identified like a regular, we're going to communicate at these points. And they actually talk specifically about not having those co-parenting conversations when, if you're like transferring, right? Yeah. So like if a child is like going back and forth between caregivers, don't have the conversations about co-parenting or values or discipline during that during those like quote unquote transfers that it would be talk about the needs of the child, right? Communicate like, Oh, so-and-so didn't get a nap today or they still seem really upset about this thing that happened or they haven't eaten lunch yet. Like communicate those emotional yeah. and physical needs, but that we're not trying to make co-parenting decisions in front of the kids. So a lot of people who I work with that are involved with the department, mm -hmm. Um, a lot. It's a it's a thing. Like I I didn't realize that how big of a thing it was becoming. But it's mm -hmm. a smart move. They have a journal. It's called a pickup journal. Mm -hmm. So like, my, nice. dad's coming to get him for an unsupervised visit. Uh, this is what she ate today. This is what she, her mood is today. <laughs> I love um, that. Read carefully on this. May, uh, there, you know, she got sunburnt last weekend. So make sure you like, you know, just like little little tasks. Yes. Or like, you know, if you can't verbally communicate. Mm -hmm. get a journal. It's, it's, I mean, there's so many families who are successfully co-parenting yes. through a journal. Yes. And that's okay. The and I love that. And that they can prioritize like these are the emotional and physical needs of our child that we need to communicate about. And maybe I'm not past the anger and resentment yet. Right. Yep. I'm not in a place where I can positively verbally communicate with you. This allows us to the benefit of our child to yeah. communicate. It's I a really, that. it was a really nice, it was a, it was a brilliant idea. And I was like, yes, I love that. And that it's like a really clear option on the table of like, oh, okay. Talking on the phone isn't, here's another way we can communicate. Or, and again, it's not in front of the kids. Nope. Mm -hmm. Nope. And I it's, it's that. one of those inform informal or, you know, not direct conversations, but it's just enough to say, Hey, please acknowledge this. Mm -hmm. This is what's going to interest her. It's very kid based strategy. Yeah. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. Okay. So we talked through a lot of different, you know, kind of best practices here, but really thinking about the best interest of the child. And I think, yeah, going back to our quote right at the top of this was just supportive co-parenting includes respect, forgiveness about the past and compromise in to the benefit of the kids. So I think that's really great. Um, I do have another strategy that I added in here. In addition to, I thought the scheduling like regular times or not even now I'm like, now I'm like, doesn't have to be regular times as much as like we have a plan right? The journal isn't a regular time, but it's a plan for communication. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good way to think about it. Um, yeah. But another strategy in uh, thinking about sharing the, sharing the caring, caring is sharing, <laughs> but the sharing the care of a child, <laughs> sharing the responsibilities, I'll get there, sharing the responsibilities <laughs> of caring for a child. <laughs> another important strategy we thought was just, okay, you're like, yeah, handle conflict productively. And it's like, cool. How do I do that? <laughs> So I thought that was a valuable strategy, right? Even like I've said, like sometimes my husband and I who are like in like a, like a positive intimate relationship disagree about co-parenting. And so we need yeah. to have strategies. So anywhere on the spectrum of your co-parenting or caregiving relationship with another adult, there's going to be some conflict. Um, 
So some ways that we can make a conflict productive or avoid unnecessary conflict is to use clear and non-defensive communication. And so that is, sounds like something we call I statements, which if you're a regular listener, you've maybe heard us talk about before, but saying maybe what you need or what frustrates you or like, I need to know that she'll be picked up on time or I need to know or... I feel frustrated about X, right? And so you're focusing, it's not accusatory language, which just opens up the conversation so that it can be productive, right? The goal shouldn't be to make the other person feel bad, right? We're thinking about the child. The goal should be ideally to get the benefit of the child. So if the problem is the parent not picking up on time or the caregiver not picking up on time, you can use an I statement to communicate that. Like I need her to be picked up on time, right? And that opens the conversation a different way. Um, a few other things are listening patiently, right? Allowing the other person to share their communication. Um, <laughs> which also, on <laughs> working on it. We're getting there, right? We're a work in progress. Uh, and then respecting the other person's opinion is an important part, right? Kind of goes back to respecting their right to be a part of the yeah. parenting relationship. So respecting their opinion on parenting, staying calm. And then this one I think is, I think it, we, I'm just going to say it. I have, I have opinions about this. I think this is important, <laughs> but avoiding criticism of our co-parent. That does not mean we never provide feedback or offer concerns, but that it's not coming in the form of you're bad at this, or I hate when you X or right. Like it's not or name you just, calling. You fed, you fed the macaroni for supper. What is that? Right. I hate that. Like, what do you mean? I mean, I get criticized a lot on my food because <laughs> mm, I'm not yeah. a cooker. Yeah. I don't, you know, <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not Chef yeah. Courtney over here. You know, I leave, I'm a single mom. I lead a very busy life. And mm. one of the biggest criticisms I get from people, mm. especially my family, is yeah. that like, you don't cook them home cooked meals. I was like, what? I'm doing my best. Mm -hmm. I was like, we have good meals. Sometimes macaroni is macaroni and that's okay. That's all they wanted. Can I tell you how funny it is? We are literally having macaroni for supper tonight. <laughs> I like yeah. my daughter has like feelings about whatever the meal we're having. And so I like told her this morning, I was like, heads up tonight is Matt. This is like one of my favorite meals as a kid, mac and cheese, hot dogs and peas. Yeah. Not like peas. And so I was like, I'm letting you know, this is what's for supper. And so literally I'm like, I told her we are having mac and cheese and now I'm not changing your mind. So I don't want you to feel bad about mac and cheese. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> it well, is we sustenance. like, I put tuna in it. or little Right? Smoky. There's protein there. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. And I mean, or cereal. Why can't we have cereal for, yeah. for supper? Sometimes I really like, and this is went back to our good enough parenting yes. or like being able to like be present with like whatever we have to do. Like sometimes mm -hmm. my day is just really overwhelming. And I don't need the criticism of, oh, this is just that. Like, absolutely, their bellies are full. Mm -hmm. <laughs> My job like is done for just fed. today. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, this is good enough. Yeah. This is good enough. They're fed, right? Their physical need is met. Right? Yeah. Ugh, yeah. So I think that, I mean, that's a great example of the criticism. And what it leaves in the relationship, right? In that relationship between caregivers, at least, you know, you're talking about feeling like... <laughs> That's what I need right now. Like, you know, and so that we can have a more positive relationship, but we can find ways to communicate with those I statements instead yeah. of that, like defensive or criti critical language. Awesome. Well, this brings us to our stop, breathe, talk space where our producer, Mackenzie DeYoung, comes in, asks us an off the cuff question, which I already asked Courtney some right, awesome questions. So she's getting double duty today. That's <laughs> true. So. <laughs> That was so much awesome information. Um, a lot of things that some of us maybe never have thought of, some things that a lot of people that are like, oh, yeah, that's that's it right there. Um, my question is if – so imagine someone comes in to, say, sits down at your desk and um, – or maybe, Courtney, one of your parent partners that you work with comes in and just says, hey, having – a heck of a time with this co-parenting relationship. Mm. Don't know who that might be, but it's just really sour. Things are not going well. Where, where do I start to turn things around? What is one thing that you, what piece of advice you would give to like someone who came to you and said, I just, I just, where do I even start? You first, Mackenzie. <laughs> okay. 
I mean, I'm going to repeat an answer from earlier. Fine. That's fine. Um, yeah. And that's just like, you start with your kid. Um, you start by thinking, and it can be difficult, like critical self-reflection of like, uh, what's my role in the Right. But yeah. thinking about what's to the benefit of my child and literally, I mean, yeah, going back to this idea of like a journal and like a pro and con list, but focusing on those pros of like my, yeah. like whether this is right kinship, like my grandparent who I share custody with or whoever this person is, these are the things they offer my child, whether or not that's things I can't or things I don't or things I also do, but they do too. Finding the like positive things that your child gets from that relationship with their other, with the other caregivers, I think is a really good place to start to remember it's about the kid. Like it's about my child or children. Um, and so whether it's you feeling sour or the other person feeling sour, I think, you know, it's kind of like practicing gratitude and mm -hmm. literally practicing mm -hmm. the gratitude of being grateful. Your child gets whatever that is from them, I think is a really good starting place to help move yourself forward. Um, and again, with that value in mind of to the benefit of your child. So. Right. Right. Here, like, and that common, that common ground <laughs> is kind of, you yeah. mentioned right too, like finding that common ground, even mm -hmm. if it's not like you haven't gotten to the point where like you can communicate with one another. Well, mm -hmm. like for you to find the common ground with them. Yes. Kind of a way mm -hmm. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. So I'm super blunt and honest and some people don't like it, but I'm going to say, Hey, it's not about you. Mm. It's about them. Mm. Them as in like the child and parent that you're not involved mm. in. Um, mm. Having to let loose the reins a little bit, not being a gatekeeper, mm. um, not being able to dictate that relationship. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I would say like, remember back when you started the situation, what mm. led you to have this child, find the beauty in that. Mm -hmm. Find the beauty of the friendship. No, though it might not be there, might not be easy. You might not ever want it but you take mm -hmm. yourself back to however long ago it was and see what, yes. was, why you were even hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> and I, mm -hmm. and I've said this to people and people are like, you know, and I'm like, well, honestly, it's not about you. It's yeah. about them. They get that time. Mm -hmm. They, the child again, at least deserves to know and form their own opinion mm -hmm. about whoever. And it's not your job to dictate that relationship unless it is causing absolute harm mm -hmm. and harm as in like abuse, sexual abuse. Yeah. You know, yes. You can't protect our child from everything, but you have to trust that that dad or that mom or the grandpa or whoever mm -hmm. they have the best interest of that child. And that is the common ground is mm -hmm. the trust and safety of the child. Yep. Yeah. I love that. I become so grown up. I love this. What? I said, what did I become so grown up? You are. You're very grown up. We're I'll very grown up. Out. Like, I'm like, wow, that was really <laughs> like, it. yeah, girl, you're getting it. Yeah. That was beautiful. And it is, I think that is, yeah, I'm like in a really nuanced, gentle way. But yeah, you're right. The blunt version of it is it's not about, it's not about us. And we say that sometimes of like, oh, I have to be the adult here, right? Like I have to be the parent here. But it is, that's this too. Um, like, to the benefit of my child, I have to find a way to move forward in their best interest. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, and I've been in that position where I'm like, God, I wish that my mom would just butt out. So I get to know my dad, you know, like, and I've seen it happen. You know, I've yeah. been that person that would like, I used Lexi as a pawn. I'll call mm -hmm. myself out again. Mm -hmm. I was that woman that, Oh, I have sole custody. You get visitation father's day, every other Christmas, you mm -hmm. know, like, but why am I doing that? Yeah. Why is that fair? Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, you know, I'm really go with the flow kind of person. Hey, if you mm -hmm. want to go hang out, yes, mm -hmm. do it, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that that structure fits me. for you. Yeah. yeah. And that it was to the benefit of your child again. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. That reflection, I think, is a... It's hard, though, because if someone is... The, like, human person in me is, like... Well, hopefully human person, right? Um, <laughs> that part of me is also like, you're coming to me for advice because you're having a hard time, um, right? And so validating, like, you're right, this does sound really hard, I think mm -hmm. is a part of it. Yeah. And helping them, yeah, get back to what's the important part of it. Like, what's at the root of it is your child. Yeah. Well, thank mm -hmm. you. Good yeah. Question. I love that. That was a good question. 
Thanks. I thought of it myself. You're like, thanks. It was my brain. <laughs> my human self. <laughs> my human person self. <laughs> oh, oh I love it. I I'm love it. Thanks, let that go. <laughs> now we're just all human person self every time we're yeah. here. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's what we have for today. Kind of thinking about this idea of custody and kinship and co-parenting. What does the research tell us? What is the reality of our experiences, right? And that we're balancing a really nuanced thing, um, but that it does come back to our kids. And so there are some common challenges. There are very diverse situations that I think some of us may not have even used that term of co-parent for what we were going through or that term of kinship care that we were going through, but that people who are sharing responsibility of raising a child and the responsibilities of, you know, their well-being. And so that there's conflict in there sometimes. And how do we navigate those challenges and focus on what our kids need? So we hope that you found some strategies or heard some strategies today that are beneficial for you. Um, but what are we going to talk? Wait, I almost forgot my positive language example. Yeah. What am I doing? Our daily Woo! affirmation. Close call. Okay. So um, our positive language affirmation for today. I may not be able to provide for all of my child's needs by myself right now, but I'm building the support around us and positive relationships to make it happen. Mm. All right. So, I mean, I could have told that to our person who came to our desk to ask us about it. <laughs> uh, but thinking about like whether or not it's about whether you're providing all of the care for that child, but that I may not be the only person right? I'm not the only person that my child benefits from. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever that language looks like for you, but acknowledging to yourself, like I'm keeping the benefit of my child in mind, right? Or I am building the support or relationships around us. So that's our little affirmation as we think about co-parenting and uh, caring, sharing the care. Yeah. Sharing the caring of our kids is Sharing and caring, I, those words, the little rhyme there, I just like yeah. can't quite put the words out, but we got there. <laughs> we got there. Okay. Anyway, what are we talking about next week? <laughs> our next episode is our season finale. Yeah, the last one. And it's probably going to be like my favorite episode yet, <laughs> even though I probably have all of them. But it's about re really <laughs> rebuilding the relationships with our kids. Mm -hmm. I do this daily and I love, yes. I love learning how to do it better. So yay. yeah. We're excited. I'm excited to hear about your experience and expertise and to talk through this with you. So you're right. That will be the last one of the season, but an important one for us to get to. Sad, 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 but it'll be good. It'll be so good. So thanks for joining us today on the Science of Parenting podcast. Um, and you know what? If you have been enjoying our content, enjoying our podcast feed, you'd be willing to take a moment and give us a five-star rating in your podcast app. That would be helpful. It helps more people find our podcast and it demonstrates to our like internal leadership, like, Hey, we like what they're doing. We want them to keep doing it. So if you like what we're doing here, um, a five-star rating is a great way to support us. So come along as we tackle the ups and downs, the ins and outs in the research to reality all around the science of parenting. <laughs> Thanks. The Science of Parenting is hosted by Mackenzie Johnson, produced by Mackenzie DeYoung, with research and writing by Barbara Dunn Swanson. Send in questions and comments to parenting at iastate.edu and connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. This institution is an equal opportunity provider. For the full non-discrimination statement or accommodation inquiries, go to www.extension.iastate.edu slash diversity slash ext. This project was supported by the Iowa Department of Health and Human Services Bureau of Substance Use via a subaward from the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. The contents of this episode are those of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official views of, nor are they an endorsement by, Iowa DHHS, SAMHSA, HHS, or the U.S. government.